Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast is sponsored by Isaac Syed in honor of his uncle Albert Nahmias and as well in loving memory of the Lulu Nishmat Shalom and Sarah Alea Shalom, sponsored by his son Stephen Batesh. God says if a person, uh, they fulfill everything uh, that HaKadosh uh, Baruch is trying to give to them, uh, is, try, is trying to command them, then everything that he needs in that life will ultimately be provided for him. Um, but the amazing thing is, as it carries on and tells you about all the great things that will happen, the, the chapter that deals with these, these rewards ends with something very interesting. I will walk amongst you, and I will be for you as a God. More and more important than all of the other things that were promised to us before then, the rain in its time and the shalom ba'aretz and all these wonderful things, more and more important than all of those things is this one pasuk, that I will go with you, I will be amongst you, and I will be for you as your God. Rabotai, um, there's a, a, a fantastic story that was told by Rav Yechiel Meir Tzuker in the name of Rav Yaakov Galinsky. Now, this is a, actually, it was a story about Rav Avram Yafin, who was a tremendous Tamil Chacham. At the time, he was learning in yeshiva, and they needed, they needed the yeshiva, needed him, uh, what's it called, to, uh, to go to travel all the way to Warsaw, to be able to enlist the building and to make the building be part of the uh, of the Rishima, of the listings in the city. Because otherwise, the building was going to be destroyed at the time by the Nazis. So one of the Rosh Hashiva, he comes and he asks him, he says, please, could you travel? Here's, uh, here's the money, here are the papers. If, if you could travel all the way there, Mehila, you could get there and, uh, and list the building, then the building will be saved. The boy says, look, of course, I'm more than happy to help out in any way that I can. He, he takes the money and he goes to the train station. But he gets there, he realizes that he doesn't have enough money to travel, uh, what's it called? To travel on the train. Although he's got the money to deal with it, he doesn't have the money to travel. So he, they taught strong emunah in the yeshiva. He found the guy that was Jewish. He, he asked a couple people and he gathered a few, uh, um, a few coins to be able to travel. When he gets onto the, what's it called? He gets to the ticket window. The person at the ticket window says, I'm really sorry, there's no room on the train. It's full of soldiers. He says, but it's very important that I travel. The guy says, let me check. Let me check one more time. He goes through all the tickets and he says, look, I, I found there's one more seat on the train, but it's in first class. He says, how much does it cost? The boy looks in his hands. How much does he have? He has seven zlatis. The conductor says, it costs seven zlatis. He can't believe his good fortune. He gives him the money and he goes and he sits down. As he sits down, there's one empty seat next to him. Comes this Jahash guy, you know, very well dressed, sits down in the seat next to him, takes up a seat and a half. He's squishing like this in the corner. And he remembers that the money that he's got really only has enough to take him for two stops. He's only going to, he can't get all the way there, but this is the amount that he's, what's it called, that he's got. As he's sitting there trying to figure out what he's going to do, there's a, uh, he notices this big, heavy gentleman reaches in his bag and he pulls out a set of headphones. Now, this is the first time, this is the first, when it just came out, very few people had such a thing, but this was the, uh, the ultimate height of technology. He puts on these headphones and he's listening, whatever he's listening to, or however he's listening to it, uh, he's listening to his music. An interesting story. As he's sitting there waiting on the train, Rabotai, 
this guy is completely absorbed in his music. A man comes on the train and he's playing in an accord with an accordion. One of these, uh, you know, the ones that they would have at the German fairs. And he's playing it and he's playing it more and more and he's singing. And as he starts singing and playing, the guy is a very festive guy, a lot of personality, a lot of charisma. The people in different seats in the place start to get up and they start to dance. One person initially is dancing as a joke, but the guy is playing it, singing with such gusto that eventually two, three, four people, before you know it, the whole train is dancing. Okay? Everyone except for this Bachur Yeshiva Rabbi Aaron and this heavy gentleman. Anyway, they're dancing, 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 till one of the dancers comes up and he slaps the big, heavy, rich guy on his back and he says, Nu, what are you doing? Don't you hear the music? Don't you hear how beautiful it is? Why don't you come dance with us? So the guy says, I mean, that would have been a better answer, by the way. The guy answers, he says, he says, I'm listening here. I'm listening to the most amazing music. I'm listening to the music of the orchestra in Prague. I'm listening to the most... Uh, you know, talented violinists and flautists and, you know, and drummers. And I'm, I'm in Gan Eden with the talent of music that I'm listening to. Had that, this guy is playing like he's playing at a fair. You know, something for children. Like, a, he's playing a bar mitzvah. Like, you know, a, a kid's birthday party. You want me to forget this music and get up and dance with you? It just doesn't, it doesn't rate. So the rabbi says. As they're driving... Uh, you know, a few minutes later, all of a sudden there's this massive explosion and, the, and no one knows what to do. Everyone is screaming and, um, and the, the, they find out that the Germans have bombed the tracks. The train's not going nowhere. What are they going to do? They go back to the station in Bialystok. The train turns around, goes the other way and he gets off, he goes back to the yeshiva, he's got all the money, he's got all the papers and his rabbi said, Nu, did you succeed? He says, I didn't succeed but the journey was worth it. He says, why? He tells him about this heavy gentleman. He tells him about this new technological marvel called the headphones. And he says, and the guy, vilokam, like the pasuk says, vilokam vilozat mimenu. When Haman comes with all of his power and with all of his wealth, and everyone is bowing down in front of him, Mordechai, lokam, he doesn't get up, and he's not perturbed. He was completely unmoved. Everyone's bowing and Mordechai is listening to his headphones. Where does Mordechai get that strength from? The boy, the Bakur, Rav Aaron Yafin says to his Rosh Hashiva. He says from the fact that he's got headphones in his ears playing the most beautiful music, the music from the orchestra in Prague. With, when you have music like that to listen to, what else can compete what else can, can rate alongside that? The Pasuk says, earlier we discussed the idea that people were keeping the mitzvot and fulfilling the dictates of Torah. And the result of all of that was that you get all these birachot. But Rabotai, I think what God is communicating to us with all of this is, I don't, I don't think you understand. Forget the birachot. Forget what I'm promising you. If you listen to my words... If you can hear my music, if you're dancing, if your foot is tapping to my beat, if that's how you're living your life, I will travel with you. And I will be for you, like you, I'll be your God. Hashem is saying, I could promise you the world, but there's something that's better than all of those promises. I want to share with you, Rabbi Tai. 
I was living in London a long time ago, and someone asked me, please, to attend the Brit Milah of his grandson. I said, of course. Once I said yes, he told me where it was. It's in Monaco. Biflitch. <laughs> I already said yes. There's a terrible thing. A person says they're going to go to a Brit Milah, and then they say they're not going to go. Chas v'shalom. By the way, you should just know as well, that's why the custom is we never invite people to a Brit Milah. You just tell them about it. Because if you invite someone to bring me that he doesn't come, big problems. So this guy he invited me. I figured it would be easy. I'll go. I said yes. And then he told me it's in Monaco. Uli. So he says, okay, no problem. I'm going to arrange for you a ticket. He sends a ticket to, to my email. I've got the ticket. I'm ready to go. The night before the flight, I realize that there's a heavy frost in London. Everything is uh, it's snowing. It's freezing. All the flights are canceled. Hazit, the guy now is going to miss. His grandson's bring me that. So it's about 11.30 at night. Guy calls me up and he says, Shlomo, he says, uh, you know, are you ready for the flight at 6 a.m.? I said, what flight 6 a.m.? Everything's been canceled. He says, you're right, Rabbi, everything's been canceled. He goes, but uh, instead, I, got my, I, got a, I rented us a private plane. I said, Uli, okay. I'm going to lifestyles of the rich and famous. I'm going to travel with this guy. Anyway, you know what was so impressive to me? Not the plane. This pesuk. I get to the airport, it's not the regular airport. It's a separate airport, it's this big. There's no line. So I said, oh, if we're supposed to fly at seven o'clock, how can we leave here at six o'clock? Which is gonna take us almost an hour to get to the airport. He said, don't worry, it'll be fine. We get there, how long does it take when there's nobody there to get on your plane? Two minutes, 30 seconds. You walk, yeah, now you still have to check your luggage for, for terrorism, whatever, but it takes three minutes. You get there, you walk in, you don't even have to sit down. You walk straight through, you sit on the plane. The plane is 10 feet from the door, right? I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at this plane. I didn't worry about customs. I didn't worry about uh, someone bringing my bags. I didn't worry about the lines. I didn't worry about TSA pre or clear. I didn't worry about anything. You know why? Traveling with a, with a billionaire. Traveling with a very wealthy guy. He made all the arrangements. He sorted out the flight. He sorted out, I didn't need to get myself to the airport. He had his driver come pick us up. Rabutai. When you travel with a billionaire, you don't need to ask those questions. Because you know what? He's made all the arrangements for you. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'm going to give you all of these things. But you know what the greatest berachah of all is? You'll be traveling with me. You're going in my, cl- in the cl- my flight, in my class, never mind first class. You're going on my separate plane. I'll be for you as HaKadosh Baruch I'll be for you as your God. Rabbi I want to share with you something amazing. The Pasuk says that in that time, if we do the right thing, it says, and one of you, if there'll be someone that comes, to, you have a war, five of you will be able to chase away me'ah, will chase a hundred. What's the ratio of five to a hundred? One twentieth. One chasing twenty, excuse me. And a hundred of you, how many should they chase? One to twenty? Two thousand. It says the Pasuk, We'll chase 10,000, which is a ratio of 1 to 100. So why is it, if the ratio of 5 can chase away 20, why can 100 chase away 10,000? And the answer, Rabotai, is that 5 is not a significant number. 5, we know, HaKadosh Baruch would not have saved Sedom for 5. In order to have a tzibur, to have a community, a congregation, you have to have a minimum of 10. 
But above the number of 10, you've created a community. Rabotai, when a single person is doing mitzvot, the power of their mitzvot does not begin to compare to the power of a tzibur doing the right thing. I want to illustrate this point. When we sit today and we all study Torah, it's a wonderful thing. You know, you're coming to a class, you're trying to do the right thing. It's wonderful, amazing. And there's tremendous reward and God is with us. Like the Pasuk, like the Mishnah says in Pekavot, even if one person sits and studies Torah, Hashem studies with you. However, Rabotai, however, you cannot begin to compare to the nuclear power of getting a community to do something together. We do a lot of learning together in the synagogue, in different guises, in different classes, in the morning class, the afternoon classes, the night classes, Shabbat classes, the speeches in Shabbat. But Rabotai, I want to see if there's a way that we could learn together and grow together as a community. The other day someone told me, Rabbi, these classes that are being recorded, um, people are hearing them in China. I said, what do you mean they're hearing them? How are they hearing them in China? He says, I went to China. They asked for a Devar Torah. I didn't have a Devar Torah. I remembered that your podcast was there. I went, I hit play, and the whole shul was listening to the class. So since then, every single day, I send them the class, and this and that. He goes, there's a whole group of people in China putting on tefillin every day now because of this class. I said, what are you talking? He says, in one of the classes you mentioned something about taking something on. I turned around to them and I asked them, maybe we should all start putting on tefillin. And everybody said yes. So now all these people on the other side of the world are putting on tefillin because of a little class that we have over here. This class is something, and the classes that people do, and the mitzvot that people do, when you do it together as a tzibur, Rabbi as a community, the impact of it goes much further than the impact would be than if you just studied one-to-one. You know, if you just did something by yourself, if you had a, a small group of people. Rabbi I want you to put your thinking caps on. What is it that we could do in our communities where we could involve the whole community in a beautiful mitzvah? It doesn't have to be tzedakah. Everyone jumps to tzedakah. It can be chesed. It can be tarat mishpacha. It can be helping, uh, uh, what's it called, people tutor or mentor people with skills that you have in, from, your, uh, from your personal business. It could be setting uh, your hatanim and kalot up with life advice or financial advice. There's a million and one different things. The ikar over here is that when God looks down at Am Yisrael and He sees Am Yisrael in the way that they are, that He does tremendous things for us. I heard something remarkable yesterday from Rabbi Spiro, which I feel like I must share. We know that when two Jews come together and there's a peace between them, HaKadosh Baruch Hu brings the Geula. And when two Jews are separated, we know that that's the time of Galut. And Rabbi Spiro asked why. Why is that the case? And listen to something amazing. He says, when a Jew loves another Jew, what do they have? They have Ahava. What is the numerical value of Ahava? 13. Echad, it's the numerical value of one, of oneness. Says Rabbi Spiro, but when I love you and you love me, when two Jews love one another, when they take care of one another and they come together, then you have 26, the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That means that two Jews together represent HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When there's hatred between those Jews, you've torn the name of God apart. That name of God, which is the name of God, which signifies and denotes mercy, is there when we come together. 
Rabutai, how many things can we do? What can we do to reach out, to bring Am Yisrael together, to think of things that will increase peace and uh, eliminate machloket, that will bring the impact of all of our mitzvot and all the good things we do to a tremendous level. My rabbi once asked us, we were all sitting together, and he said, what's the goal? And one of the rabbis said, the goal is to get people to the classes. He said, no. And someone, someone said, the goal is maybe to make everybody, as much many people as we can, Shomer Shabbat, you know, keeping the mitzvot. He says, no. He kept asking. Each person gave another answer, and the rabbi said, no. All of a sudden, I realized what my rabbi was trying to tell us. He said, what's the goal, Rabbi And I said to him, the goal is to bring Mashiach. The goal is to finish all of this. The goal is to go back to the Beit HaMikdash. The goal is to go for the whole hog, to have the whole world respecting HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We have to stop thinking small. And if you want to think big, if you want to get another couple guys to the synagogue, Azaku Baruch will carry on doing what we're doing. But if you want to think big and you want to change the whole world, and you want to make the world know HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name, so what do we have to do? We need to enlist. We need to get loads and loads of people involved. Because five people, Rabotai, chase 20, but a hundred, they chase 10,000. How many does a thousand chase? How many do a million chase? There's today a million Jews that keep Torah and Mitzvot. What if a million Jews came together to do something in this world? Shema Yisrael. How many could they chase? How many uh, could, they, could, they, uh, could they move? Could they inspire? God says, I will travel amongst you. But not betochacha, singular. Betochachem, when you travel as a group, God said, count me in. I'm in to help. I'm in to do whatever you need with the tremendous siyata. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen.